Welcome to the Relative Powers Podcast. We are a podcast about web development, web design, and that sort of thing. I am Mark Phoenix. And I am Ben Hutchings. I hit that T a bit too much when I did the intro, but it's fine. I just didn't want people to have too much of a T in their, in their ears during that, but I think... Would you like to do it again? No, I think our listeners are kind of made of tough enough stuff. Okay. Have a few have a few teas in their ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week we are talking about underrated skills. An underrated skill is being able to effectively clean up a glass that has been smashed in the kitchen. Yes, isn't it, Ben? It is. Yeah. I when ran out to the kitchen just to get us a couple of glasses of water before we started recording. And I thought, I know, we need flagons. So I pulled these two glass flagons that I've got. We'll that take we've a picture. <laughs> and... Um, as I pulled them off the shelf, a champagne flute came with them, but ended up on the floor in many, many pieces. Mm. So I swept it up, and then Mark hoovered up the bits. Yeah. He's and they, very well trained. They spread a long way. Yeah, it's sort of explosive, isn't it, sometimes? Yes, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of... And there's some information about your household being the kind of household that has champagne flutes and flagons. Yeah, I don't know that you focus on the flagons bit. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that you drink your real ale out of a champagne flute with your little finger <laughs> extended <laughs> and you put it on a doily i used to have a uh like a kind of almost earthenware fired flagon a big a pint pot is what my grandmother would okay. call it you know they i don't know if that's a, i suppose we don't talk about them but call them that anymore but they used to be known as a pint pot and it had a, a kind of king arthur scene on the side and a big uh a big sword on one side and then a knight on the other holding well, like a, a sword. Sort of pre-raphaelite type Thing. Yeah, it was kind of, I don't know, it felt kind of rustic. It was like the kind of picture that you'd see on the front of a novel in, um, sort of in the fantasy section. No, it was more folky. It was more like, you know, you see these green, the green man, the idea of these green men around, the, you know, the green man. No, what, when is, you cross like, the road? No, no, that kind of like folky, druidy thing. No. Okay. English people, weird. Right. I don't understand. Well, it's, it's, a big, it's a big thing. Okay. In, it's not like Morris dancing and things like that. It's all it connected prob- with all It that. probably okay. is connected with Morris dancing. Um, for our US international listeners, just pause and Google Morris dancing and then come back and... And can I make a note on that? It might offend some people because some people have been very offended because they traditionally black up. Oh, they do. And they've had a problem with it, haven't they? Because it's one of those things that's apparently been unrelated to anything to do, apparently been unrelated to anything to do with race. But now you just can't. You just, like, remember our grandparents used to watch the Black and White Minstrels and things on TV? I used to. Was it around in the yeah yeah that late was it well it just well not it wasn't sort of being it mm. wasn't being made but like those sort of old Al Jolson black and white films with the kind of oh, things yeah. that would be on at two o'clock in the afternoon for yeah. like a sort of afternoon matinee and you just wouldn't think anything of it no but it's not like by two thousand and onward standards it's not really acceptable is it so yeah. some Morris dancing has has come under fire yeah because of that okay. Well, we've. It's. I'm glad that we've. Goodness me, we're only a few minutes in. <laughs> we're, we're speaking about Morris dancing. I'm glad we have. But it's important issues. Morris dancing is like. A, this is um. An, this is a podcast about web development, by the way. <laughs> Some web developers might be Morris dancers. I I don't want to know them if they are. <laughs> it's it's kind of weird. I think 
they seem kind of quite cute and benign and stuff, but when you dig into some of the traditions that it's sort of like that, you know, mm. that they're it's based on, like some of the things that are based on, it's some pretty um some of it's pretty grim stuff. Yeah. If you're honest, Although most of most of it is, isn't it? If you look into gritty history yeah. of most stuff is Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> pretty we've dark. Get, we've got to get back to web development now. Yeah, okay. We are yeah, way, we are way sorry, off. We are we way are off. Way off. So um but anyway, we're talking about underrated skills. The reason I wanted to do this episode was because of my typing. Um I when I first started learning how to be a developer, I started learning how to touch type because I thought it would be kind of useful. Um and I stopped because there are so many other more important things to learn. I didn't want to spend weeks and weeks getting getting good at touch typing. But I'm at the point now where I am I don't need to look to type, but I will hit the right key about seventy to seventy five percent of the time without looking. But right. that's not but that still means one every four or so key presses is kind of wrong, so I have to I have to look. Yeah, sort of amp, but it's kind of. I'm at the point now where so your delete key is getting a lot of use. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I'm yeah. just at that. I'm just at that really unhappy. But you're place. touch typing though. But I'm I'm at the I'm at that point in between where I'm not looking and typing, but I need you know all the time, um, but I can't quite touch type. So I think I for some reason my I, my typing skills have improved, and now they've hit a bit of a yeah. typing uncanny valley where. Um, where I just seem to be making a lot of mistakes. And I know everybody gets a bit sort of self-conscious when somebody is watching you. Who did we type. interview that? Was it Andy Bell? Yeah, I he, think he touch touch types. Type. I think he, he said he went to like a traditional school where he was like a kind of box was put over his hands so he couldn't yeah, look. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's supposed to be that, that going through that pain period is the not mm. looking and forcing yourself not to look is the only way to get past that plateau. Yeah. Because otherwise you become a very fast touch typing plus one finger typing plus whatever I just made up yeah. way of typing. Yeah. And you become very fast, but you'll never get faster. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm kind of at that sort of pain point right now. Mm. But I was thinking it would just be, there's times when I think, oh, just, it would be great if I could just type faster. Um, but nobody really talks about touch typing necessarily when they're talking about web development. So it got me to thinking about what skills are there that are, kind of useful to us but just don't get mentioned or the sort of things that are overlooked uh, and so we asked on twitter and the responses that we got were not the responses that i was expecting because i was expecting it to be those types of things but we got a few interesting responses so we're just gonna have a look uh the one that really jumped out to me was one by your friend of mine richard bell friend of the show um, but he mentioned one of the most important um, skills is knowing when to black to black out. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a really bad problem, you've got to punch yourself really hard in the face and then just black out for for a few hours. Oh, and imagine then... being able to black out on that useful meeting choice in meetings. That would be kind of useful. Yeah, it would be it? really good. This meeting's going. On. I've got a hard stop in five minutes. I'm going to black out. Yeah. Um, but no, one of the most when a good skill is known when to back out of a problem chain. So when you've got a when you've got a problem and you're pursuing a solution, and you know it doesn't work, and so you keep trying things and you keep trying things. At some point, you've got to yeah, that's back brilliant. Out and knowing when to back out of it. Yeah, I, no way, I can't do that. 
That's it. I'm in <laughs> down the rabbit hole until it's fixed. Because there's something you doing this morning. Because I was, um, I had to send uh, a little code, a code sample to a client, and I just sent it on CodePen, and it wasn't working for them. Um, and it turned out it was because they were using Safari. Um, but you, it didn't work for you either. For the was it for the same reason? You sent me the CodePen. Also, I was in an email chain that the CodePen was sent to, and I tested it. And it yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Because of the video tag. Yeah. Um, sources. And you, and you nearly got sucked into a problem. Well, I started to fix your problem. Yeah. But I'm really, work-wise, absolutely up to my neck at the moment. Yeah. But it didn't matter. I still spent 20 minutes trying to fix your problem. Yeah. And then forced myself to just close the window. And then worried about it for about another half an hour. Yeah. Because it almost doesn't matter whose problem it is. If, it's a, if it doesn't work, it's like, I must try and fix it. <laughs> I've become a little reluctant to to ask you about problems for that reason. There's been a few times where I've thought I've been doing something and I'm like, I'm not quite sure how to do this. Ben can't like, handle Ben's it. Imp- <laughs> but I just like, and it's the kind of thing where I'm just like, hey, what about this? And the kind of response you want is, oh, but try this or maybe it's And you realise that you'll get an essay. Well, I realise that you'll yeah. go away and you'll spend a couple of hours trying to fix a thing that is just maybe something that's popped into my head that maybe isn't that important. Like if it's something which is crucial, I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll show up on your doorstep. Mm. And thank uh, you very much yeah. for trying to be kind to my brain. So what is it about you then that makes you think that you can't, you find it difficult to back out of those? Do you just kind of get too invested in, is it just like we're trying to work out a mystery or something? Um, hey, it might be a massive lack of humility. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a deep psychological flaw. I might think that I can fix it, and if it isn't, I want I want to I want to be able to fix it. Yeah. And also, if you're asking a question that you something you need help with, then I think, well, regardless of how much work I've got on, I think, yeah, but Mark can't do this, or so and so can't do this. I've had to really. I mean, it's difficult with you because you're a mate, but with clients, I've had to really try not to. Um, really try to think before diving into like a problem they report yeah sometimes think is it a big enough problem can it be can it wait and be bundled in with a few others because you know what some clients are like some clients will hardly talk to you at all and then send you an email saying oh i've got this issue this issue this issue and they're the best clients because you can like say well i'll give you a day or half a day or whatever but the worst ones are the ones that send you little tweaks in seven different emails throughout the week yeah because you can end up, each one is never 10 minutes of time. Because by the time you've looked down tools, looked at it. And of course, if someone said, if someone that's good at personal time management would say, well, of course you don't just drop what you're doing, do you, Ben? But but I do. Well, I try not to now. I really try not to, but I do. I just, the person who, the last input gets dealt with. Right. And it's a real problem. Yeah. So that's why sensory deprivation tanks are the only way forward. So, you, so you're basically like a human cascading style sheet then. So whatever you read last, you'll do. Mm. Whatever the last instruction that you get. Yeah. Yeah. And it overrides everything that's above it in the cascade. Yes. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bit of CSS hatchings. But it's, it's, um, it's a... In terms of a skill where it becomes something that you can learn or something that you can get better at, I wonder if it's through experience, I think you know when 
you spent too long. I guess you don't want to have a hard time limit on it, do you, if you've spent X amount of time? I wonder if there's an equation between like the seriousness of the problem divided by the time that you spent on it equals a worthwhile investment in this particular problem chain. Yeah, Cause, cause sometimes I can't see how you would know beforehand. I suppose what you need to do is learn to identify what might be a a long-chained problem or a very deep rabbit hole or whatever analogy you want to use. Identifying that before jumping into it. Because mm-hmm. I think this is related. Can I join? Can I throw in another one? Yes, Because I think it's yeah, related. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A guy called Rob Mason. Oh, I don't know. But he's... Presumably he's in Cheltenham because he's in the Cheltenham Digital Slack group. And he says the ability to plan before starting work on something. As a project manager, it's inherent to my role, but I'm frequently finding other role types, devs, creatives, etc. Don't plan. They just crack on. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I said, okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm like that. My version of planning is to see how long it took me at the end. (laughs) And And he's like, you are the worst kind of human being, he said. (laughs) <laughs> so I was like, yeah. So that means I'm the best at something. <laughs> anyway, I'm now reading a Slack conversation to you, which does not make for good podcasting. <laughs> web, but, deve- web developer bedtime stories. <laughs> but I think that's a good point, isn't it? The yes. ability to plan before starting something. Yeah. So would you? So if you were to do that, are you planning in terms of? I guess you're. Hopefully, you produce a spec. Yeah. To a degree, for the for whatever it is you're building. Yeah. Um. When you've planned, well, hopefully that's come from, and this comes onto something that another one I'm going to throw in. It comes from getting a good handle on what your client wants, or you know what, what, what problem you're trying to solve, as it were. Um, thinking about what technology you're going to use, but also maybe thinking about how much time you're going to spend on it, because I guess that is a really good constraint for not getting too deep into a problem chain is because you know that you've got X amount of time for this project. So you just don't have time to get down this rabbit hole. Because I guess if it's something which is crucial to a project... Yeah, that's what I can't work out. Is what do you do if... If it's crucial to a project, I guess... If you I need guess, it. Yeah. And I guess sort of it's, it's if you... Backing out might not necessarily be giving up. Backing out might be alerting the customer or your client that this is going to need a bit more of a a bit more time or some more resources thrown at it. The same as if somebody comes to your house to like to to plumb in your to plumb in your shower. Yeah. And then they realise that your boiler's broken. They wouldn't just fix the boiler for you. They'd probably have to tell you oh, the boiler no, needs fixing as well and, good, and that involves more money and more resources and more time and so a lot like of that. it is it knowing when to even if it's just alerting the customer or knowing when to admit that this is going to take longer. Yeah. Because I suppose that the luxury of being employed, when I was employed as a developer, was if something takes three times as long, the worst thing you've got to do is tell the project manager or your boss that, well, it's taken a bit longer, or you mm. just stay a bit longer, stay a bit later, or whatever, or you get it done. And they've got the problem of trying to claw back some money for that. So you kind of, I don't know, that sounds a bit, Selfish, well, but in a way, you just you just the, the thing is like the way I used to work is it's just here's a problem to fix and work until you fixed it. Yeah. But as a freelancer, who's also worrying about your income. You can't just sit, or from a point of view, you know, needing having wanting to go and spend time with your family. Yes. And not just spending days and days or evenings fixing a problem. So knowing when to go back to a customer and say, "This is proving more difficult," is quite difficult 
yeah to do yeah and i think it's difficult for customers to to grasp because they don't necessarily well they would know how for them it's just they don't often don't have a grasp on what it is that mm. we're actually doing not always but very often it's kind of actually sort of it's it's really refreshing if somebody is aware of of you know what a website is or whatever sort of project they're working on if they're aware of like how difficult it is technically it does take a lot of weight off you but i guess to to kind of try to try and think about like how we can improve with this i think maybe it's that it's if we're doing something which is crucial to and necessary to a project and it's taking like the problem chain becomes long at some point you've got to tell whoever it is you're working for that this is going to need a bit more time and money and if it's not then i guess you need to examine why you're being led down this road is it just because you're curious or interested Mm. or is it going to prove useful to you in the future um if you fix this thing spend a bit of time and fix this thing now is it fixed forever for you um if this sort of thing sort of arises again yeah that's true because it might have a worth that's not related just to this project yeah it might be worth getting your head straight around how to do something from a conceptual point of view yeah yeah that's true yeah i think another way is maybe um trying to get someone else's input yes because i don't have the same problem when it's someone else's problem and someone else's problem chain I'll often look at it, look at what their their problem is, and sometimes say, wait, if you thought about not doing it that way at all, thought about doing it this way. But I don't seem to be able to do that for myself. Yes. But with someone else, it's because it's laid out all in front, and I suppose maybe I, I'm not invested in the problem. I'm just seeing a set a set of, I don't know. We've got. Just, I guess you've got sunk costs in a way, because yeah. you've tried to get this thing to work this way. Um if you completely change the tack, then you might think, oh, everything I've done up to now will be wasted. Um, whereas, I think, then they call it the sunk cost fallacy, that like yeah. at some point it's better for you to, it's the wiser thing to give up in pursuing a certain thing in a certain way. But yeah, that's probably a good idea to just ask somebody, because they might, or, or I think sometimes to, to walk away, if you can, walk away from it and come back to it another time because how many times have yeah. have we done that where you're working on something you've so many times the and then the next morning you sort of think oh it's it's this isn't it yeah well, most um, of my ideas come to me in the shower yeah you just need to set your workstation up in the shower which will make skype calls kind of you know tricky tricky but but doable yeah also it might sound a little bit seedy <laughs> you're like i'm in the shower but don't worry about that it's it's normal <laughs> i'm very clean i mean i'm not oh uh <laughs> it's about my process yeah i go through like six laptops a, a day um okay so we move on to another yep there's one that um elliot richmond um who we've had on the show um, a few episodes ago to speak about SEO and whatnot, which is a really interesting chat, actually. If you haven't um, listened to that one, um, it's really worth going and digging that one out of our archives. Um, but again, not not the kind of thing that I was expecting to get, but he mentioned uh, blah, 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 blah. One, of most ultra, one of the most underrated skills, in my opinion, is the art of extracting information and data to formulate an architecture. So the idea is getting information from a client and turning that into a plan. So I guess related to, um, who is it in the the Cheltenham Digital Slack? Uh, Rob Mason. Similar to a thing he mentioned about planning. 
Yeah. So I guess just being able to really get from a customer what they want. Because how many times have you ended up, or we ended up, talking to somebody, going off and doing stuff and showing it to them, and them being like, "Oh no, no, that's not what, that's not what I was after at all." And does that happen? Does that happen often to you? This happened about an hour, hour and a half ago. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, but I, oh, working on something where a whole bunch of um, PDFs need to be generated and they're attached to outgoing emails to do with different types of insurances. And I went through and I kind of detailed with the client the types we needed and what the different insurance types were and the different types of policy. I know that, that sounds like the same thing, but it's not in their case. Okay. There's insurers and then there's deprecated. Anyway, 28 different iterations, 28 different separate types. That's what it boils down to. I'm raising my eyebrows right now. Yeah. So um, I listed them all out and gave them names and decided to name them very specifically so we know, you know with a version number and what it relates to. And then I had them sent through earlier, and I had three sent through. So I sort of called and said, okay, so where's the others? Oh, no, we only need those three. Right, so where are the, you know, there were sort of 28 signed off. Well, when I say signed off, I said, are these right? Yeah, those look right, is the answer. But actually, I probably didn't ask enough well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't basically say, are you absolutely sure? Are you totally sure? Do you really imagine there being 28? Because it makes sense to me the way I thought they were doing it. But mm. it turns out we only need three. And I've, it, it's just a communication error, really. But what I think in this case it was is, is the client didn't quite understand what I meant. And not a very technical client. So they didn't quite understand the way I put it. And there are some people, I don't know what you're like. I'm someone who, if I read something and I don't understand it, I'll say, wait, I don't understand that because yeah. I want to understand it. Yeah. But there are some people who will go, oh, well, they probably know. They're the developer. They probably know. Well, and they won't ask. Yeah. Or they won't say, no, that's wrong. They'll just go, oh, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or whether it's just a, like a responsibility thing. Well, they should know. They're building the thing. It's sometimes you... It can be are you communicating mostly over email or calls. I, or? I try and keep it to email so that we've got a paper trail. Yeah, because when when it's been in the past with calls only, it's even worse. Yeah, because it's like right. when you said this. Oh, oh, did you? No. So if it's all in email, I try and keep it, but still mistakes so, can be made. Somebody suggested a while ago that if you have calls and you have like an itinerary to email somebody and say right from this call i'm going to do this 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 and this oh yeah i do i follow up you calls do do that. Oh, with yes, email. Yeah. I, I follow up the calls um, yeah. with what the points discussed oh, and it sounds a little bit um it sounds a bit snotty but yeah. i'll say as discussed just to confirm we're going to do this this and this and this and this yeah i, I think a client, i think people should appreciate that do people appreciate it when well, you do I th- it i think they do but i think also depending on the kind of person you, you can't just assume that and okay, as a response to like a 17-point email yeah. means that all 17 points are being okayed. It's difficult to know whether somebody's actually read and yeah, yeah. each one of those. So when it's talking about specking, what we're going to build, which is all related to how much it's going to cost, so how much time we're going to spend on it, is it's probably worth getting a bit more than just okay. Yeah. 
Yes, it is. It's kind of hard to get a song and say, okay, but could you please, I'd like responses to every line, or I'm going to send you 17 different emails, because there are some people you have to do that with. If you go, if we've, I think we've talked about this before, if you ask two questions in an email, you'll only ever get one response. I find that a lot. Yeah, you do. All the time I find that. And sometimes you have to end up sending a whole bunch of separate, it doesn't have to be emails, it can be a Slack thread. There's one or two clients now that are using text a lot. I'm quite surprised, but they're quite happy to use text Mm. quite a lot for because I, you know, would have used to think that that was a bit informal. Yeah. But they, they're quite happy to actually fire work over via text and then check its progress via text. And then... I've got a few that send me things on WhatsApp, which... Yeah, WhatsApp is gaining, isn't it? Yeah. Seems a bit... It makes sense for... In a way, actually, it makes sense for certain things, like, you know, as it's encrypted. End I to suppose end. you know if you're sending something a bit more sensitive, then that's kind of useful. But, yeah, sometimes it's the first and the last thing. I find if I've sent a lot of things, you'll either get a response to the first thing or the last thing. Um, and you just kind of assume everything else has been read. And I think sometimes I've been in a few situations where I've given a list of, okay, I'm going to do these things. And you, and you do the list and you work through the list and then you speak to the client and they were expecting extra th- extra things. And I think sometimes I can, in the past, I thought, well, I've done my best to communicate this to you. So it's on you, Mr. Mrs. Miss person, client person thing, because, <laughs> I, you know, I, I've I've explained this to you. Um, so sometimes, like, I try not to have, like, a paper trail as a bit of, like, I'm covered here. So any mm. problems on you? I think sometimes with email, it's kind of useful because you have everything listed. But if you're speaking to somebody... You can kind of, if you're explaining something to to them and you get that, mm-hmm, yeah. you sort of think, okay, that's not a, I understand it, mm-hmm, that's a, I've heard this and I'm deciding whether to say I don't understand this or I do understand it or I need it explained for whatever reason. Because I think sometimes clients, even if they're non-technical, um, they might feel as if they need to understand what you're talking about. I've had that yeah. sometimes where yeah, people, people, yeah. people don't, and it's not, you know, they, you know, they're not professional web developers. So of course they, you know, doesn't, mm. you know, they don't understand it any more than, you know, but we all do it. Like sometimes you go to the mechanic, well, not for you, but for me, sometimes you go to the mechanic and they're saying stuff and I'm just blankly nodding, just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly <laughs> the head. Yeah. Head gasket. That is exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. I thought that myself. I had somebody come around to, um, our shower's gone and I had somebody this morning come around to fix the shower and I did the sort of, um, as an online tool for online diagnostic tool. Okay. Um, and it was either the filter or the solenoid coil according to this. And I've got a reasonable understanding of what a solenoid is and does, and so those I I I recognise those two words, mm-hmm. um, but in the context of what, how a shower works, maybe not. And I sort of said, "Oh, hi, hi Lee. Oh, I think it's the uh, you know, I think it's um, might be the solenoid coil." And it gave me a bit of a mm-hmm. nod and sort of fixed it. Well, I had a look at it, and it's something completely different. But in that situation, like, there's a little part of me just like, yeah. I understand showers. <laughs> I can speak to I can speak to this professional electrician stroke plumber about showers and hold my own. Of course I can. And mm. 
why am I even attempting to do it? So sometimes when you're on the other end of that as a web developer, I guess you, or whatever it is you do, if you're a designer or a project manager or whatever, you've got to try and help the client to, you know, reveal what they actually do or don't know. Yeah. Um, without making them lose face, I suppose, or, or feel yeah. like they're, they're not being like disenfranchised in a way. So, but yeah. it's an interesting point from Elliot then about having to try and get the right information yeah. out of somebody. There's one here about not getting information out of people, but about putting information in people <laughs> from a designer's point of view. Um, yeah. This, I'm guessing, is this is from Liam. Who's that? Liam. Liam Coates. It's one of those things where the username isn't the same as the name. Anyway, Liam, uh, Liam Coates says, I've learned the hard way recently that the ability to articulate your reasoning behind a design to a client is almost as important as actually designing the design. So that getting the reason for you designing something in a certain way across the client is almost as important. Now, he, he doesn't follow that up with anything, but I'm assuming what he means is if, you're, if you've got some idea why something will work, unless they're invested in that, they're not going to they're not going to want it. Yeah. I, I, I was listening to the Sending Signals podcast with our friend Ben on it, and he was talking about that as being the story part of UX design, is talking about the why. Right. Because I guess if, they, if a client doesn't understand the why, you end up with things like, can you make my logo bigger? Because... They don't understand why, you know, with the, that's more UI design, of course, but they don't understand why this thing has been laid out in this particular way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, how do, you, how do you do that? I mean, because you get certain clients who are just happy to, oh, just do it, do what you want, do the design the way you want, just, oh, I'll leave it to you. And it's hardly ever like that, is it? When you actually sort of like, oh, fine, and you do it. Well, when they say it, when you actually yeah, deliver yeah. something. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't design, but I've, yeah. But you kind of do. No, I don't. I think we all. I think we kind of. You've you've put together a user interface before, haven't you? Oh. Without any input from a from an actual designer. It wasn't wasn't good. It's not a good idea. But you've done it though, so I guess you know we've we've acted on those we've acted on those instructions from from a client so he really want mark really wants to put his glass down but he's worried about it going chink i'm going to turn this into a bit of an event yeah, ready go for it that's the sound of a glass flagon <laughs> on a ceramic coaster yeah you need to get some sort of acoustic deadening tiles coaster <laughs> and a i don't know a cloth vase a cloth glass or something we're in my in-laws front room <laughs> i don't think we need to worry about that <laughs> We were going to record in the garden. Oh, I'm sorry, I've just gone off on one. Yeah, I didn't we, care. But no, where we were, were we? Record in the garden, but your daughter, but like, my daughter, just messed things up, oh, didn't she's she? So rubbish. No, she's, um, <laughs> she's so um, lovely that she wants to see me all the time, Daddy. So uh, it would just be lots of Daddy, Daddy. So the idea was we were going to record while she goes. She's still young enough to go down for a nap in the afternoon, which is brilliant. Yeah. So we were going to record, but time didn't quite, it didn't quite work that way. D that came up in one of the underrated <clears throat> skills, napping. Napping? Yeah. Oh, who's that? That was, uh, I think that was, um, 
That was somebody called Jam Hutchings. Oh, was it? <laughs> Mentions napping. Was it on Twitter? Napping, I'm a pro. Ben's rubbish at it. <laughs> I didn't know she said. Yeah, that's true. So you need to shape up your napping skills. Oh, no, no. Okay, we could make it as part of our, we could make it another offering for our Patreons. We could just, at the end of the show, give you a glass of warm milk. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can see how long it takes. <laughs> um... But yeah, so getting design, getting information into people as being an underrated skill. I think we did an episode about educating clients like way yeah, we back did, yeah. when, didn't we? Mm. So I can't remember. And there are quite a lot of people who speak about it quite extensively. I think sort of love him or loathe him. Andy Clark speaks. <laughs> oh, Ben is giving me a look. What? 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 <laughs> yeah. No, and no, no, no. Him and Paul Bell. I've not really. Him and Paul Bell were people that I listened to a lot when I was first learning. And I tend not to these days. Um, but I found a lot of what they said to keep their podcast really useful. Um, but I think they talk quite usefully about how you educate clients, how you get information to them. But right. I think if it's something that you're good at already, then I think it is a, it is a good skill. So it's something not to be underrated. Do we have, do we have any more? I don't from... That's all I had from Slack was those two. We had a couple more, slightly more loose ones. Um, one of them is about attention to detail. And from Dan, from Dan Davis. Um, attention to detail. Is it a skill? I suppose it... I, th- yeah, I think it's really useful, but I, I think some people have got it and some people haven't. Can it be learned and, and taught? I guess if it can, I it's I a suppose, skill. I suppose it can, yeah. Yeah, maybe the the problem with teaching attention to detail is teaching the why you need the attention to detail. But attention to detail breaks other creative processes quite badly. So if you worked with designers who are very oh, the sort of people who would like to smother paint on themselves and then writhe <laughs> over a canvas and say that's art, <laughs> they're the kind of people that aren't going to be very attention to detaily, aren't they? Yeah, you know. I suppose so because we we. We covered it. we covered this in our re- in our fir- not not writhing around on campus, um, but we covered this I think in our first episode with um, where we had where we interviewed somebody with Malcolm Coombs way back when, and he was talking about um, oh, yeah. ha- not having the developer being a no person, just sort of shaking his oh, head at the, yes. or her head. At the development process. Yeah, that's because he'd worked with me for so long. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But I thought that's kind of interesting because, yeah, maybe maybe attention to detail can... Oh, it can. Stifle, yeah. How does it work, though, in the design process? Because I guess, like, there are... Like, Kate, for instance, when I when I was doing designs, um, when I got it in my head a bit... Oh, I'm, I'm no... Again, I'm no designer, but I'm... I'm I think I'm competent-ish at it. Um, I don't think I'd do a bad design, but I don't know if I'd do a good one either. Um, That's me enhancing my brand. Um, But often when I showed her stuff, she'd be like, that, that, just over a little bit. And working with um, Chris, Chris Smith, because I did, um, he's a friend of ours, um, but he's a designer and I've done one project with him. And I got lots of amends when I did. And it was just like, move this over a little bit and move this down a little bit and make sure all these things line up. So I suppose in the design process, there is, also in that, there is attention to detail when you actually get down to putting the thing on the page, I suppose. 
that's interesting because that is so you're saying in that case that it's the designer that is like applying the attention to detail at some point in the process i think doesn't it doesn't that occur that that's not the experience i've had right but actually i suppose i have had that one but i've also had quite often that a designer will throw through some send through something that's got ideas but actually they've they've dropped in a load of fields into say a, a fairly static mock-up for something and the fields don't actually line up right. or they haven't got the same borders on them or they haven't got anything when i'm going to code this i'm not going to code a one with a two pixel drop shadow and one with a one pixel drop shadow you've dragged and dropped it off your photoshop from one canvas into another or into sketch where you've got a different style applied i've had that quite a few times where really? the attention to detail has been what they've not done is made sure that what they've ended up sending through, either to me or to the client, is I'd call attention to detail, making sure something is sort of uniform. Yes, and indeed, making yeah. and quite often with different people as well. I've I've seen things that look almost like quite messy, but it's because I think the designer is just this is just a layout. This is just an idea. This is just a a scamp almost. So are they expecting you to make those yeah, choices? So often I've been in the role of then going back, having tidied up not making design decisions like space and and that's something i always get wrong the use of white space around things and i'm always cramming stuff up making it too small and too tight me too that is the one thing thing that uh, not the one thing but i think that is the thing that when because i'm not as sort of part of a you know mine and kate's outfit um kate's taken on design um because she's good at it um but when i was doing design work that was the things you used to keep saying just more white space yeah. ever and like when i would do a design and and i hadn't shown it to her i'd think okay i'll, I'll, I'll put more white space in this is enough and i'd show it to her and she'd be like no no more, more. white space you've got to be able go beyond what you're comfortable with haven't you yeah and, and it's weird yeah, because I I, i'd sort of you know she'd do it and i'd be like but then i'd yeah. come back when you look at it come back to it as a like, whole and you think yeah it works yeah that makes yeah, yeah. That makes perfect sense yeah so i think i i think of attention to detail with that sort of thing the kind of some people are, from my point of view, like a joy to work with when they're a client, and you ask them for, not not thinking of anyone in particular, but you ask them for a load of documents, and they send them all through with all the same format names. Right. You know, if you ask someone, send me twenty images for your website, and they sent you one saying kitten.jpg and another one that's called some random UID because it's been taken off Google, and and you end up with right. So what? This is not like gallery hyphen one, gallery hyphen two, gallery hyphen three. So that's how I think of attention to detail is those little things that might not be actually related to the final product, but it's the the process. Yeah. You know, people are sending you three emails on a subject. Do the three subject on, on the same project, but three different parts of the same project. Does the email subject have the project name to start with and then colon front page, project name, colon gallery images or is it i've been thinking dot 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 yes and then i'm like ah, oh, have some have some mental well, kind that, of yeah i suppose i'm just i probably got massive ocd no i suppose it's a bit of a, you know I, I i don't know why i internally roll my eyes every time i say empathy or think about empathy but i guess there is like a kind of almost like a functional empathy you have to understand what someone else is going to make of the thing that you send them or or what information that person has 
and what decisions or guesses they're going to have to make. Yeah. So if you send them something that's incomplete, um, it might be something that in your mind you think, oh, I I do this, but you you just haven't conveyed that. And you send, you know, so when somebody sends you the um, the fields where they're not lined up, in their mind, they've probably decided whether it's a one, one or two pixel drop shadow, but they just haven't conveyed it to you. Yeah. So you've got to make a choice. And so that attention to detail from their end means that, you know, it's a decision that you yeah. know, they leave you to make a decision. So I think a lot of times it's like, you know, like with that idea of like putting a, a descriptive title in an email, you haven't thought, oh, how do I make this comprehensible and easy for the person that I'm sending it to? And so on your attention to detail to an extent is about thinking about the person you're, mm, you're handing do. something off to. But I think, it, I think it can be learned because at some point, like when I had my <laughs> my um it was like getting something back from teacher and it had just red pen all over it what from kate from no from from chris it was ages ago okay but it was a really it was a kind of a a teachable moment for me <laughs> because i did you know i just i was a bit like one you know, you know nobody likes having their having sort of you know red pen on whatever they've sent in so i was a i spent about 30 seconds being like and then i read it and i was like oh yeah Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yes. That, that's. True. Yes. Okay. Fine. And now, every time I, if ever I am, whatever design sort of decisions fall to me, because sometimes, like if you're, um, particularly with the sponsored design, you've got to make a few decisions when you at certain breakpoints, um, and you've got to line stuff up, maybe change like shuffle things around. Mm. Whenever I'm doing that, I all I do actually go back to that point. And think right. I've got to make sure everything lines up. I've got to make sure everything's consistent and right. spacing's consistent and things like that. So I learned a lesson from that. So I think it is a thing that can be taught, maybe, but maybe sometimes. Yeah, I think there are just some people that it, it would stifle them, and maybe it shouldn't. Okay. okay. But maybe they need someone else in between them and the end product, or the person that's receiving the end product just needs to know. There are a few people I've worked with in many years, and we know what each other's we know what each other's limitations are. Yeah. So when you've been working with this for a long time, you know when you get a design, it's going to be a bit like that. Or they know from me that they're going to get a few like meh, 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 emails back about. It. They just know that I'm going to be asking questions that they were thinking, "Oh, just think about it, Ben." But I'm, you know, they they know we know each other. You know each yeah, other's yeah. abilities. Um, so it works. So it can then. be difficult with new teams. Yeah. And I think it can be especially difficult with people that go into teams in employment when they're working with a whole... You need to very quickly work out what everyone else's way of working is mm. and um, how you're going to have to adapt. Yeah. So being alert, I guess, sort of with attention to detail, just trying to be alert to stuff probably helps because I think a lot of times things get missed when you're just not really concentrating on what you're doing or if you've just got a lot of things that are going on mm. a lot of ideas maybe it's taking a bit of time yeah or we could sum it up by saying designers shouldn't code <laughs> <laughs> definitely true um how are we doing for time 44 minutes um nick wilmot should we make this our last one yeah because it's again it's a bit of a general one mentions exercising pragmatism Again, that's kind of related to the um, the not getting, not going down a problem chain, isn't it? Yes, I suppose so. Yes, I suppose so. 
What did he explain any more? No, that's that's all I got. So we've got we've got to work it out. He's exercising pragmatism there. <laughs> yes, yes, <yeah. laughs> Frankly, but, I don't know these people. I'm just not going to invest much time to this tweet. <laughs> no <yeah>. I'm joking. <laughs> but I, I think sometimes we have like an ideal way that we'd like to do stuff. For instance, do not repeat yourself in code is a good principle. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But sometimes I find you can tie yourself up in knots, trying to kind of be like, oh, right, you know. Oh, I've, I've written a few of these, like, I've written a few of these declarations in a class a bit further up, so I'm just going to mm. re, you know, retool my CSS so I, I don't write, and oh, and then like, you know, it, it kind of causes other problems. So sometimes repeating yourself a little bit is the most practical thing. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I had this in the week with something I was doing, um, converting some pretty old code, JavaScript, into something that looks a little bit more... Yes, sixty, and I uh, was kind of converting. I was using arrow functions for some things, but then I kind of got to the point where everything, because I had quite a lot of events being applied to things, and I was trying to convert everything into using arrow. I was I, behind me. I, I imagined Andy Bell going, "You can do it that way." Oh, sorry, that's a terrible. Hang on, I was a bit more like um, Brian Cox then. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to try and do Andy's accent because I can't. <laughs> but um, I imagine him just saying, you should use this for that. And I'm thinking, oh, because it's quite useful sometimes, I think, to imagine that you've got someone trying to say to you, is that the best way? Uh, but I got to the point in the end where I just couldn't pass an, an event into an arrow. Uh, I couldn't. Uh, there's no this, is there? And I was trying to I was trying to use this in a very old school way because it's just what I would have done. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't work out how not to do it. So I ended up just doing the old markup. So because it, there was no money left in the project. It was for a real project and it was using code that had previously worked. It was just I wanted to know how to do it, mm. but at that point it didn't actually matter. Yeah. You're right. It is related to problem chain escape, isn't it? So maybe that's the answer to the question we asked a bit further up in the episode. Is that's how you escape from a problem chain, is to be pragmatic? Right. I suppose. Yeah. That's true. Because Mm. Yeah, but it's interesting. I think particularly with if you spend too much time on Twitter, which can be useful, I think we can get led into being um, quite not evangelical is the word. There's a word I quite can't quite think of where you become too wedded to there's a single true way to solve the problem. Um, so you can end up trying to sort of crowbar that philosophy into a lot of the practical stuff that you do and it won't work. Yeah. Um, And it's not terribly pragmatic. It's just like, you know, a a little bit of you dies inside if you ever have to use, like, important in your CSS. Sometimes, I mean, it's not, maybe it is an indication that things have got a little out of hand, possibly, or there's a problem, but sometimes it is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a big mallet to whack a problem with, but sometimes maybe you need to whack a problem with a big mallet, mm. sort of occasionally. So, mm. and and again, you can end up going through all sorts of you know machinations to try and fix a thing. Whereas, and I, I've done that where I've just thought important would just work here, but I'm not going to do it. I'm yeah, just gonna, just going to do this. And like an hour later, I'm just like, you know, you do it and it fixes the thing. So, yeah, I did that trying to convert a project to web. Webkit, mm. um, Webpack, I mean, that was a, a Gulp project. 
I think we're going to talk a bit about that later anyway, aren't we? I'm, I'm kind of, did you see my, this is an excellent segue. Oh, is Approaching it? sort of, yeah. Oh, I didn't, no. No, no, good, yeah. Uh, well, do you want to... to no, 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 keep, no, keep doing, this is, well, this is, this is, uh... I, um, I suppose because, like, because I've been using Vue quite a lot and with Laravel and Laravel uses Laravel Mix and that's using, behind that is using um, Webpack quite a lot for compiling, every, or for doing all the, yeah, I suppose it is comp- compilation, isn't it? I thought, oh, I won't use Gulp for this thing. I'll convert it to to Webpack. But what I didn't really, I didn't really understand at first is how everything effectively has to be. Well, maybe it doesn't, but it seems like everything has to be imported. So I don't even understand it enough to explain what I mean by that. But what I wanted to do, for example, was I wanted to minify from some CSS files. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to end up with CSS in JS or CSS in injected into my... Not that I got a problem with that. It's just okay. in this case, I just wanted a separate minify. I had a, I had a file, or a couple of files actually, and I wanted them minified. So in Grunt or Gulp or Prepros or CodeKit, mm-hmm. you would effectively point it at that file and say, minify this. But in Webpack, it was import this, run this plugin on it. And instead of doing what you would normally do, which is bundle it out, export it again into a CSS file. I had It took me a while to get my head around it because it wasn't okay. working like any of the other... Someone, If someone is laughing because they're like, man, you did this wrong, well, no, I think do I, tell me. I think but, a lot of people do find Webpack because I have not touched it. It is a bit baffling. I think baffling. a lot of people find it like a bit of a... It's it's one of those things I very rarely see people praising it like sort of in a um without lots of qualifications when they talk well, about it's it. It's great when you're doing stuff with like Vue or React or when yeah. you're doing something to do with JavaScript, but you're doing something separate. Like you want to copy some upon distribution you want to copy some files from one directory to another, mm-hmm. from a source directory into a disk directory then it's kind of a bit, you're crowbarring that into Webpack, I think. Because it's not really what it's... I don't know. I don't understand it enough. I, I, see, a lot of, I see a lot of people wringing their hands over it. Yeah, it, 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 I, lost a, I lost pretty much a day for something that was working. Right. Already okay. working. Yeah. But I wanted to... I wanted to, to use it because it's like everyone's using it. So I want to see if it's any good and see if I should be using it. And Will you please, sort of like after having spent a day... Well, I now understand more about it, even though it sounds like I don't. (laughs) I did manage to get it working. And then when it came to actually doing some stuff with WebP and, um, you know, some image optimization stuff, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, it does make sense. And versioning, and okay, once you've kind of embraced it, yeah, this is making sense. But I I really like Gulp. I think, again, maybe this is back to being pragmatic. I guess if a thing works, it works. Yeah. So... But I don't have I don't have like teach yourself something new fun Fridays, so sometimes yeah. I do it as part of a project, and sometimes those um, that problem solving becomes actually a bit of learning, and mm. well, all problem solving is learning, isn't it? I suppose, but you know, specifically like in this case, I don't know why I did it was a silly thing to spend time on, but now I, now I now I know more and much more about Webpack okay. than I did, and it will help with some parts of some of the Laravel projects I've got on the go because I understand a bit more why Mix does what it does. Yeah. And how it does it. Okay. We've probably 
covered the underrated skills that we wanted to talk about. I mean, I guess it's a, this is the tip of the iceberg because I guess when you're working, like you, our listeners out there, there are lots and lots of skills that you're drawing on, maybe things that aren't necessarily tied to what, you know, what language you're using or what framework you're using, or what library you're using or whatever. Um, so I guess there's a lot of, there must be a lot of things, a lot of things that people are using, people, a lot of skills that people have that are underrated. So if there's any more that you, listener, um, are aware of, send them in because we'd be interested to talk about them. Our DMs are open. But at this point, shall we do a tool star? Yes. More webpack. Okay. Just roll straight in. Yeah. Okay. So this is our tool star where we just talk about a tool which we want to make a star. I guess the name, the description is the name. Um, this is one that we've featured a long time ago. This is the one that I mentioned when I first started doing this. And it's Prepros, which is a preprocessor. Um, and it was the first one that I used um, when I was learning web development. Most, you know, most certainly back then, less so now, everybody was using um, Mac OS. So it was CoKit. CoKit was the one that people use. People were using, and we don't have that for Windows. And Prepros is the Windows version, I guess, of of CodeKit. So that's why I came across it. And at the time, I loved it because it's kind of very simple to use. And then, as I learned and sort of got more familiar with things, I ended up using um, Grunt. Yeah. Then moving on to Gulp. Very pleased with Gulp. Worked fine. Um, but I had an issue with it. Probably, I think I must have complained about it on the podcast at some point. I can't remember when. Um, and it turned out it was uh, Gulp was fighting with um, malware bytes. Yeah, because we couldn't. I remember it well. Right. Because I got it was working for me, wasn't it? And then yeah. we had someone else was looking at it and it was it was doing, it was compiling. It yeah. was working. Yeah. And it was like, why on earth isn't it working for you? And I think it was blocking a port. There's a port that Malwarebytes was was kind of was gumming up that um Malware was trying to bites. use. Yeah, but anyway, but it was just like and it went in somebody um somebody swooped in and saved me on Stack Overflow. Prepros for Linux, Mac and Windows. Yes. All of them. Yeah, yeah. Um so anyway, but the reason I'm featuring it again is because um GUIs, graphical user interfaces, seem to be um no, I wouldn't say they're sneered at sort of necessarily. Um but I think people tend to look down on them as being a less good or I don't know, a less sort of um a less worthy way of doing stuff. Because Gulp was working fine for me. Then I had a problem with it and went back to Prepros as an emergency um, sort of fill-in just so I could get stuff done. And I was a bit like, yeah, this is actually quite nice. It's kind of quite smooth, just, you know. Everything, you just kind of click a button to add a project. And if you want things to be minified, there's a drop-down. If you want them to not be minified, there's a drop-down you click. And you can have the minified files go over there. And then you can add a map and you mm. just click the option and... You know, do you need to use um, auto prefixer? You can just click a box. And how many versions back do you want to do? Do you just kind of choose another option? Do you want to? Um, do you want to like minify your JavaScript? Hey, do you want to use Babel? 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 I think it's Babel. Use Babel. But we, but we tend to think of Babel, like Babel the Babelfish. Although I've heard someone say yeah. Babelfish. 
I wonder if it's an American thing. It could be. Yeah. But anyway, but if you want to use Babel, it's a checkbox. You click. And if you don't want to use it, you unclick the checkbox. And it's just done. And I just sort of think that's kind of, although it's not, you know, it, it's not too eye-watering to do that with Gulp. How, just quick. How distributable is it? Distributable. Distributable. How do you mean? Well, I've had people send me projects with a code kit, conf. Oh, like, oh yes, great. Yes. So I've now got to convert this to Gulp or something. Yeah. Or, or get code kit. And I don't want to use code kit because I look down on GUIs. So <laughs> I, no, I haven't got it. And I, so there is a config file. I think there's a JSON config file. Right. But I don't. Do I have to have prepros? Yeah, I don't think it's a thing you can port into Gulp or anything. But I've not tried that. It would it be good, might, wouldn't it, if it, was, it had the ability to. The thing is with Gulp, I suppose it's like you you're going to use all sorts of different packages to do what you want to do. Yeah. and People will choose to do it different ways. Yeah. But that's that's my main complaint with CodeKit is I've had that several times, is when someone sent me a project or I've inherited a project from someone else. It's um, I suppose I could have just bought CodeKit, couldn't I? Could I mean would you would you use it? I mean only for these projects. Yeah. I've never used it, so I don't know. Well, it's same. It's very very it very thing? similar. Yeah. yeah, it works really well. It it does exactly as you've described. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's a whole other conversation we've had before as well about I, I, the whole GUI thing. I we think should, we should maybe have a show about it. But I, I just find, I, I when I do occasionally tweet about it, I, what I often find myself saying is it's like going from using a manual car to an automatic, because I, the last car, the previous car that I had was an automatic, and it's great because I've always had manuals. And I sort of resisted automatics because I was like, oh, it's an old man's car. I don't want an automatic. And then when I drove it, it's just, this is just like, because it was like, um, it was an old Toyota. I can't remember what it was, but it was an old Toyota. Um, quite old, but really nice spec. And it was like, and it was really comfy. It was like driving an armchair around. And it was nice because you just put it in drive and you put your, put your arm on the, on the window and off you go. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of. Is, is it in the States? Are most cars automatic? I, according to the films. Yeah, so I'm thinking, I get the impression that driving stick is a really rare thing. Yeah. I don't know, just from films. I think it is. Tell us, tell us. If you're like, oh man, it's those films, just like you guys don't all walk around in bowler hats. Um, it's, it might be one of those things, but it looks like. I think it is, yeah. For some, oh, for some, it's like. Because it's not the norm here, is it at all? No, I don't Manual think so. is the, the norm, I'd say, still. Yeah. I think for some narcissistic reason, me and Kate, we're watching This Is Us. And um, people will know. Um, if they've watched it, um, it's a it's quite a well it's an American series okay. about a family, and it's just it's it's a little bit emotionally manipulative, but it's quite compelling watching. But anyway, there's a this is pointless. But there was a there was a there's an episode in it where somebody's being taught to drive, and it was like put it in drive, take your foot off the brake, press the gas, and I was like it's kind of it's easy <laughs> if that's what it takes to learn to drive. I remember when I was learning to drive, ending up actually mounting a roundabout <laughs> because I was like, it was a thing I struggled with with, with roundabouts because you've got to check over your shoulder, you've got to check on the yeah. roundabout, make sure there's nobody in front of you. I found them really getting hard. Getting the right gear. Yeah. Um, you've got to remember like who you've got to give away to. And, and I, I got confused and I ended up, it was in a housing estate, but it was one of these, like in, in Britain, if you're, again, if you're a listener from elsewhere, we have 
bazillions of roundabouts. Um, I'm just I looking up. up um, I ended up actually on top of this roundabout. It was like one that had a bit of a curb around it. And yeah. Up, I ended up with like getting two wheels on it. And you didn't... Um, also called a traffic circle, road circle, rotary, rotunda, or island. Uh, okay. There you go. We've covered it all. I listened to a, I think it was a 99% Invisible episode, which was talking about roundabouts in America. I think they're a, I think they're a thing now. Um, if you're interested, look at the magic roundabout. I have done that. I have done that, and it's quite a thing. Anyway, but that's what it was like learning. That's what it was like going back to pre-pros. It was just everything. You just kind of click a thing, and you tick a yeah. and you click a, click a drop down, and it all works. And it's quite. You can add it to a project very quickly. You don't need any. There's no. Yeah. There's no NPM to deal with, and it's just... Pew. What I've enjoyed about... I haven't done it yet with Webpack, and I don't know if it's going to happen, but I've picked up some quite old Gulp projects or found other ones or been handed them, and I've gone... I've opened... I've I've copied it into a folder. You know, I've cloned it, and I've, I've said NPM install... And it's just worked. Yes, yes. And then, and then I've got, and then you know, you grunt, um, sorry, gulp build or npn run build or whatever. How it's set up, you'd have to have a quick look at the the script to see what it was set up to do, what the what the um, scripts were called. But that when they just work, yeah. that's lovely. And that doesn't happen across, say, if you've got code kit no, two and someone yeah. else is running code kit three or prepros one and someone else is running. It does. It sometimes yeah. does. But so that's just. I suppose that's my my complaint on them is that I've actually had that. So that's why I stick away. I keep I keep away from them. But um, yeah. I think for for my own projects, I tend to use prepros. But if yeah. there's yeah yeah you're right because there's if, a lot to be said for yeah. if you only ever work on it, then why would you make it portable? Yeah. If it's not open source software, if it's not being distributed, but then you can also think: Are you being? Are there ways that you can be kind to your future self? Yeah. Like, I don't think me with this web... I keep wanting to say WebKit. This... No, which, which one's... WebPack? WebPack. With me with this WebPack one I've just been using last week, I don't think I've been kind to my future self on that because <laughs> I'm going to have to relearn it again when I come to look at it <laughs> The kindest thing I did for my future self was buying some Tunnock's tea cakes and putting them in the glove box <laughs> and realizing and finding them two days later. <laughs> Thanks, pass me. Um, okay, well, that's our tool start is pre-pros. And that that little kind of um, a little bit uh, of Kate Bush. That little bit of Kate Bush. That's um, that's my um, WhatsApp um, notification from Kate. So that's what it plays. You've got a personalised notification from her. Yeah, that's very yeah. sweet. It is. I am very sweet. That is nice. I am nice. Um, so anyway, so Prepros is our tool star. But if you have opinions about GUIs versus CLIs, I guess. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Then tweet us your opinions. We love opinions. We can't get enough of them. Should we have a jukebox? Yep. So, jukebox. I've got a jukebox. My jukebox is, I've got a jukebox, I say, but I haven't opened Spotify, so I'm just going to fill for a couple of seconds. Why? Jukebox, how's it going, Ben? It's going good. all right, thanks. Good. Yeah, just going to check Instagram, okay. see if anything fun is happening. I've got it muted, so that's good. This is LCD Sound System, which I think you've put a few things from them when yeah, we did a- but this is from their first album i guess 2005 yeah i haven't got it I, in fact i've not even heard much of it i was like ah it's really good it's kind of it's um it's really it feels like a really kind of contemporary song but it's, i'm losing my edge 
and it's a really funny and kind of quite poignant sort of song about somebody who was there at the beginning who saw all of the really important events in music um maybe saw themselves as a bit of a pathfinder yeah being sort of supplanted by all the cool kids who are coming up behind yeah and was like lamenting that they're you know they're being you know they're losing their edge but there was a bit that one lyric that really spoke to me about I, I don't know I don't want to crowbar everything into web development but I guess I should as we're taking part in a web development podcast right now there's a line in it is there any way through the magic of editing that we could have that line appear now I hear that you and your band have sold your guitars and bought turntables I hear But that line about I heard your band have sold their guitars and bought turntables, I've heard your band have sold their turntables and bought guitars. I just think it was interesting. It just spoke to me about web development sometimes. We can all jump on this particular thing. Yeah. Um and then be really keen to jump off it. Like we just went some preprocessors. Everybody was on pre processors a while ago, and now people are tending to jump off them a little bit. SAS was really in. And kind of, yeah. people seem to be, there's a lot more SAS naysayers now. I know jQuery is, is a different, it's a different thing, I suppose. Maybe that doesn't really qualify for that. Because I suppose jQuery is, um, maybe there are better solutions, I suppose. Yeah. I guess, that, yeah, that's not really a good example, but... Maybe it's not a good example, but it just came it just came to mind as a thing that was very popular and is sort of tailing off, but I guess there are different reasons for that. But just the cycle of popularity and unpopularity in, in web development is quite interesting. As yeah. when I came into it, I didn't think it would be like that. That that there would be fashion, is it under is it being a little dismissive to talk a bit talk of it as fashion, I suppose? No, I think it is. It yeah. is a bit. It's why you get this sort of so you know, like you got your, your dad who gets his tie out, and you're like, "Hey, nice tie." He's like, "Yeah, it's thirty years ago. You're thirty years old. It's just come round again." And yeah, it's one of those things, a bit like that. With it's like everyone's building. <laughs> I was explaining to well somebody the other day about building static sites mm-hmm. as a concept, and he was like, "His response was, what like we used to?" <laughs> well, yeah, actually, yeah. basically, with just HTML, CSS, and as little JS as possible. In some in some cases, yeah. the case we were talking about was super simple and not using a CMS. Because I was trying to suggest that that was done for one of his clients, and he was like, "So that sounds like the sort of thing we were doing twenty years ago." It's like, yes, that is exactly that, and and it is going back that way yeah. for good reason. Yeah, but um, yeah, it was, so it is like that. It is just a jump on the. It's interesting, and I guess, and I guess at some point you can you can see that you can see sort of the the ebb and flow of stuff. So. That was almost the thing I was going to mention in the underrated skills part. Just this idea of knowing when to jump on a technology and to jump off of it. Again, I guess that's a skill. Yeah, it's probably a skill, yeah. A lot of stuff kind of doesn't really, um, doesn't get a lot of traction. And you can spend some time learning something or maybe mm. moving projects over to something and then it ends up that people oh, stop using it. I didn't mention mine. Well, I knew, it doesn't matter. What was it going to be? Uh, read, being able to read a spec. Being able to read docs and a spec. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to waffle on about that for a bit. We should probably have a... Rachel Andrew talked about that. Um, But that's the thing that she said she was really good at. I've been doing a lot of name dropping this episode. Um, But she said... 
that was one of her skills. Because sometimes people look at her and all the things she does and think that she's some sort of like web savant. But she says, no, I just read the docs. Yeah. And and that's how I know stuff, by, by reading it. So, yeah, it's interesting. But anyway, my jukebox was Losing My Edge by LCD Sound System. And okay. we may have already played a clip, but if not... Yeah, we'll have a proper, we'll have a proper little segment. I'm losing all the kids to the Tokyo Brooklynites and Berlin in little jackets and borrowed nostalgia for the unremembered 80s. Well, I'm losing my edge. I'm losing my edge. But I was there. I was there. Yes, LCD sound system. Yeah, I do like, yes. Me too. I reckon, how old is he? I have no idea. I know I think nothing. he must be 50-something, because there are quite a few... He's, he does quite a few tunes about getting old. Right. Or getting older. Because didn't you feature one that was one about getting older? Yeah, he is. Ago. Is it All Our Friends or All My Friends or oh, something? Okay. And that's kind of really poignant. That's but, the one I was saying about pulling over and not getting out of the car. Just oh, pulling okay. over just to listen to and not getting out of the car. Because it was so... It's just hit me so much with just a few lines in it. Um, when do you... Is that on the... It is on the jukebox. I, I think it is. All Our Friends, I think it's called, something like that. Okay. Um, off Sound of Silver. Sound of Silver? Sound of Silence? Sound of Silver. Okay. Mine. Yes. Is... Do you remember The Beloved? I do. Yeah. I think you even actually in the intro, or before we were recording, you gave us a little... Oh. <laughs> if there's a Patreon, that's a special treat for for future Patreons. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, so the sun rising was quite a nice song. I do worry a little bit. I've always there's a few people like um, Death Cab for Cutie, Cutie, uh, that need a, a, a lead singer transplant. I've said that before. You yeah, know? and the beloved. I, I didn't love his lyrics, Maybe. his style of lyrics. But yeah, I, I liked. I don't mind the lyrics. What I mean is the the sound of his voice, basically. But the sun rising tune was quite, almost quite housey. Yeah, and I'm featuring one of the remixes called the deeply satisfying mix. I'm not sure who it's actually. I haven't done my research. I'm not sure who it's actually remixed by. It might even just be them. Mm-hmm. But it's um, sort of clubby, but it's. 1989 I think so it's quite early it's almost oh, if you yeah. don't mind me saying quite I mean it sounds basically quite naive 1989 yeah quite naive house music almost right, yes. it's basically just you know like some of that stuff it was I don't know if, they, if it was kind of coming out of Detroit and it was basically just a bass line it's got a bit of a gloopy bass line yeah um, it has a gloopy synth which I really like yeah it has it has I was going to try and mimic it but you'll hear it in a minute. But yes, it's um, and I just like it. It's I got a bit obsessed with it in, in about I think I think if I remember right, it was when I was living in Bristol for it, and that was only for a year, first time. So it's about '98. I got a bit obsessed, and I ended up buying all the versions I could on both vinyl and CD. Oh uh, right. So I've got quite a lot of just of that sunrising thing. Decided to be a completist <laughs> for one tune only. <laughs> Is it as much of a thing? Because I remember, I guess the I guess it was the format because you'd. You'd have a single, and then you could 
by a remix single which had like the, the radio version and then loads of remixes yeah. like with Massive Attack you have loads of remixes of the same mm. thing but I'm not sure if it's as much of a thing now as, as we release things there seem to be quite a few on Spotify when I, looking for when looking for remixes but I don't know if physical releases are as much of a thing full stop yeah but should we stop chatting outside my window <laughs> you're, you're welcome to chat outside my window if you want yeah this, this is like people walking past oh the yeah this is people walking. Not, we're, not, we're in the not, front room with the windows open because it's quite warm outside so not listening if, you, if you're you know if you're outside a window right now if you are listening to a podcast listening outside my window then what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> and if it's you Jim you're inside don't worry <laughs> should you ever listen yes oh yeah sorry Seeing if it's on the um, it's on the all my friends. I think you might have talked about it, but not put it on during the, our jukebox special. Or you might have talked about it recently, but it doesn't look like it's on there. Yeah. Should we have a? Should we make it a double triple? A double put, triple. We could put that on there as well. It's really we were talking about repetitive music at one point. And it's got a really, really, really repetitive piano. Okay. All the way through. Which you either love or you hate. Yeah. The same as losing my edge, it's got that do 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 all the way through. Okay. Well let's do let's do a snippet of that then. Okay. Just to, again, to, um, to open the curtain, um, that segment's going to be dropped in post, so yeah. we just we just go quiet and like look, in, look, look into the distance and, and think about our lives um, for a moment, so, so Ben can edit it in. Well, we do normally try and play them into each other first, but we, we kind do, of forgot yeah. this time, didn't we? But I'm going to have a listen to this one on the way, ho- uh, listen to it on the way home and see if I need to pull over as well <laughs> and have a moment, but maybe I will. Hmm. So is that it? Are we done? That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're done. Okay, that's our podcast um, about uh, underrated skills. This one will be up on our website. Um, we don't have comments on there because comments, ugh. Um, but you can DM <laughs> us on our Twitter, which is Relative Paths. Our DMs are open. If you have any uh, underrated skills that you can think of that you'd like us to talk about, then we'd be happy to hear about those. Uh, or if you want to just tweet to us and say hello or send us cat pictures, then, or dog pictures, or cat and dog pictures, we can take this. Not bird pictures. Not bird pictures. Mm, maybe, maybe a friendly parakeet, possibly, but, you know, or a duck. Nice duck. Send us a picture of a duck. 
<laughs> so that's our podcast. Um, what do we ask for? Reviews. Uh, if you can leave a review for us on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to us, that really helps uh, people to discover us. Um, we also have a Patreon. Um, so if you'd like to support us on our Patreon, then we are Relative Powers on Patreon. There will be a link at our website. And we will tweet to you very occasionally and very, very, very quietly rattle our tin. Only very quietly because we don't like to do that sort of thing. But can, we, can we thank our numbers. current patrons? We're gonna or thank we not going to do that? Let's thank our current patrons. Our current patrons are Dave Beasley. Thanks, Dave. Dave. Richard Rogers. Richard. Thanks. Um, is that a super, is that Richard Rogers? I'm thinking of Reed Richards and Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, yeah, you're getting your superheroes. And get my superheroes mixed up. Mixed up. <laughs> Stretchy, um, Stretch America, Stretch Captain America, that would be. Oh, is it? I guess, yeah. Oh, Stretch. Reed Richards. Armstrong is, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we have Lee, this is Rami Brackets Lee, who is Lee Ramsbottom, is it? I think, I think it's Lee Ball, isn't it? Lee Ball? I don't know. But thank you, Lee. And also, we have Ben Hutchings. I'm following. I'm not a Patreon. You're not a Patreon. Uh, oh, I'm just following. I thought, you know, I uh, might have a way of okay. actually seeing. You got, we got to sort that login out so that I can log in. Yes, we should. We Change should. the email. We'll do that after the we'll show. We'll do that after the show. But thank you very much to our patrons. We will do a sub-episode about our patrons at some point. We were going to do one today, but we don't have time for that now, mm. do we? Because tea's being made. Um but we'll have a we'll do a sub episode about that and we'll discuss some of the things that we're gonna do for any future slightly more high grade Patreon offerings um, that we will offer to you. But that's for the future. I'm rambling, so let's stop. Thank you for listening to our podcast and we'll be back in your ears in some a couple time. few weeks' time. Two yeah. A few three two three. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye.